0: Lord Jesus, thank You so much for that reality that we do not have to be slaves anymore to fear, fear of death, fear of life circumstances, fear of the unexpected, because we are Your child. I am Your Son, one in whom You delight. I am one in whom Your Holy Spirit dwells. I am the house of God. How amazing is that, Lord? I'm a citizen of Your unshakable kingdom. Nothing will shake You. And I am destined to spend eternity with You, and You will share Your eternal glory with me. So, I have no need to fear. Lord, for those today who come with fear, could You help them really settle this morning to recenter into the reality of who we are in You, and that You are the unshakable one. Even as we talk about plans and planning today, and Your sovereignty, just may we find our rest in that, that You are in control and that you are good. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the one to whom we owe it all. Amen. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Good to see you. Getting kind of hot. The, the cool, our extra long spring has finally gone away. Hey, Jordan, I was just going to tell you, you know in the Oscars when somebody's up giving their speech and the music starts, that's kind of the sign to get off stage, so just want to let you know. Uh, just also, just regarding um, uh, today after the service, we're going to be doing a starting point, so I'm going to have to bail out of here pretty quick right after to go over to be a part of that. Um, just want to let you know. A couple things, just, you know, last week we talked about contentment, that uh, to not focus on the manure, but focus on the oxen, the cattle, to be contented. Um, got to go see Tim Wright, Christy's uptaking. Abbey for Orientation in Minnesota and got to go visit him in uh, a care center. And, you know, it's his first time being alone just with his condition like that. And I was just so amazed. He could have been focused on the negativity of it, of being there and all of that, not being home. And his whole focus was on, God, show me what, what I'm to do here. What's my mission? Who am I to bless? And he He very much exhibited, embodied a contented spirit in God, so it was just nice to see that lived out by somebody who's part of our family this week. Um, I mean, two big events coming up, Mexico trip, you guys leave tomorrow, right, Jordan? Comcito, I think, is leaving this morning if they've not already left. So, two big events that are happening. I'm wondering if somebody would be willing to stand and offer a prayer for both of those events, encourage you to be praying during the next week, or ten. you guys, ten days, or is it just a week, 11 days? If you could, somebody just be praying for the, the youth and their mission in Mexico and the work that's going on with the inner city children at Comcito, who would like to, would somebody stand and kind of pray a little loudly for us? Steve, would you do that? Yeah, if you've got your Proverbs sheet with you, you're reading through, maybe you can write Comcito in Mexico on the top, and just as a reminder to pray every day when you're in the Word. Um, the Lees, Kevin and Jennifer, this is our last Sunday. I think they are probably in second service. I don't think they're here. Actually, Kevin's not even here, but it's their last Sunday, so if you want to just hang around and see Jennifer as she comes in, you can give her a, a shout-out, I guess. Do you shout-out at people that are leaving? Is that what we do here at 12th? We're going to shout at you. Garen said shout at you, so. Uh, Hey, so last week I had a newspaper, and because the Kohlmeyer, Kevin, I mean Kevin, uh, Ryan Kohlmeyer was on the front of it, and I kind of showed that to everybody, and I was like, hey, here's somebody that made the paper, and that's exciting, and then I found out later that that had been just handed to me, not as a, like, that had come out this week, it was just handed to me just in case I'd want to read it, and it came out like three or four months ago, and some of you knew that. That's why there was so much excitement about that, it it had nothing to do with the article. So this week, I arrived Monday morning and I had a note on my desk from this, this is from Jordan. Garen wasn't sure if you saw yesterday's paper or not, pretty crazy, and I couldn't believe it, but Japan is open war on the U.S., (laughs) Hawaii is attacked and bombed, so. uh... (laughs) That's why the Oscar thing this morning was because of that, so. Okay, I want to open this this morning with uh, uh, this week, my children were having a text dialogue with each other, and then uh, they let me in on it, sent me screen captures from it. So, it's Carissa, who's who's at Duke this summer, doing her summer program with the chemistry, her research, and then Sway is in on it, who will be our son-in-law soon, and he, he did biochemistry at issue, and then uh, Kieran was in on our son, who's… <laughs> is it? K-State, sorry, this all has to do with Proverbs, trust me. Um, so here's the conversation, and if you can't read it, I'm going to read it, okay? If I can pronounce it. So Josue is like, hey, what are you synthesizing, Carissa? A ligand to bind palladium, it has Z and E isomers. So Josue, well, is it racemic or do you need to separate the Z and E isomers? So Carissa, we separate them using, you guessed it, a column. Of course, right? You always separate things with a column. <laughs> I mean that's just. We make the Z isomer and then we make the more strained E isomer by eliminating the Z isomer with UV light. Then we do kinetics ex- kinetic experiments using NMR over ten hours because you don't want to go nine. After binding to palladium. Uh, by the way, do you notice at the top the Sibs plus future bli brother-in-law? that's kind of cool. Okay, so it's a bus phosphine ligand, a really bulky one. B-I-S, ha-ha-ha, bus. Uh, I'll send you some stuff on my polymer tomorrow. Josue, don't lose your chemistry. You'll be a great gift to the fam, someone who understands what I do. And Josue, ha-ha, I'll try not to lose it. Then Karen jumps in the conversation. It's cool watching you two nerd out, but can you speak in English, please? And he says this, that is English, so... Okay, there's a point for all of that, because we are doing Proverbs. Proverbs is, if I go back, it is the fine art of living well. It's, it's living a life of God's wisdom. It's living skillfully. That's what wisdom means. And so what I want to do today, the nice thing about Proverbs is they're a lot simpler than that, right? That's the whole point of that. Um, it's just these short, simple truths of how things are, how God has designed the world, and you don't have to be a scientist to understand them. So, when I used to work with international students, it was really common, um, especially the students who came from cultures where atheism is what they were raised into, and that was the reigning philosophy, that they assumed that a person who believed in God, that that made you passive towards life, Um, that just God would… you just let God take care of you, you never initiate anything, because just come what may, it's what God wanted. And so… so I had quite a number of these conversations, and I would sit down and show them what the Bible said about this topic of ambitions, desires, plans, and planning. And it's interesting because Proverbs has a lot to say about it. So today I thought I would, I would hit this topic. And so what I'm going to do is I want to talk about my desires, and then I want to talk about God-given desires, I want to talk about my plans, and then I want to talk about God's plans. So that's kind of the, the big headings. And I think when we start talking about plans, we do have to talk about, first we talk about desires and dreams, Um, the longings, the hopes that we all have. Proverbs talks about these. It says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Anybody anybody there this morning? Anybody right now, there's a hope you have, a dream, but it's been deferred, it's long last, I mean, it hasn't come to fruition and you're wrestling with that? Anybody willing to just... Raise a hand. I'm going to pray at the end for anybody. I see, I saw one hand, and I saw a child poking somebody in the air, so that, I think that was just kids playing. Not, but if you have a hope deferred, and we all understand that, Proverbs 13, 19 says, a longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul. We all know that. We've all had something we were dreaming or longing for happen. I think we've all been there. Um, Proverbs 13:4 says, a lazy person craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. So, we know… To, to, to help our dreams to come true or the desires that are on our heart, it simply takes hard work. That Contrary to what a lot of the students thought, it isn't just being passive, but it's, it's working along with God. Um, I'm going to talk a lot more about that topic next week in kind of a unique way. So, but, um, so, let me, that's just kind of an intro. Let me say something about desires because there is nothing wrong with desiring. In um, Desire in the Bible is a good thing. I think sometimes we might question whether desires are good, but God created us with desire. If you study Buddhism, and I worked with a lot of students from a Buddhist background before, um, you discover that in Buddhism, desires are bad, and the number one goal of life is to ruthlessly eliminate all desire. But according to the Bible, God created us to desire, and it's a good thing. But I think we all know that not all of our desires and dreams are good and right. Wouldn't we agree with that? We all know that all of the things we long for are right. Ecclesiastes talks about this. Um, Ecclesiastes says, I deny myself nothing my eyes, what, desired. I refuse my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun." George Bernard Shaw said that there are only two great tragedies in life. One is to lose your heart's desire and the other is to gain it. So we all know that not every desire we have is good and is for our flourishing, is healthy. We being broken, sinful creatures, that a lot of things we desire actually, if we, if we take them down the road, if we follow them, lead to our own undoing the undoing of those around us. So we have to be careful what we desire and what we ask for. So I think the question is then how do I know what desire... So we all have desires. So the question is how do we know what desires that we have are healthy or good? And I think the bigger question is how do we know if it is a God-given desire? If it's a God-given desire. And I think... Um, The only way to know that is our first and greatest desire has to be God, and it has to be an ever-deepening relationship with Him. The God must be desired first and foremost, and I'm going to get to a psalm in a minute that explains this. That's why Jesus said, when asked, what's the first and greatest command? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, all of your mind. Love Him passionately. Desire Him above all else. Asaph put it this way, who am I in heaven but you? My on earth... And earth has nothing I desire besides you. There's that word desire again. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, and He's my portion forever. Paul lived this way with God as his number one desire, where he said in Philippians 3, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of intimately knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. All those other things are rubbish to me. I consider them rubbish that I may, be, that I may gain Christ and be found him, found in him. I want to intimately know Christ. Anytime another desire supplants that desire and that hunger and that longing for God becomes greater, you're running the risk that that desire is something that is not from Him. I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but you're running the risk that it's not, and that that will lead you down a path possibly towards uh, non-flourishing and ultimate ruin. So, again, the point I'm trying to make is is only when God is our primary desire, only as we know Him and love Him, can we truly know that the desires that are in our hearts are healthy and are from Him. And here's how I know this, because Psalm 37, 3 to 5 says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land, enjoy safe pasture. So trust in Him, take delight in the Lord. If I take delight in the Lord, what's it say? He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will do this. Here's what I think God's saying when He says that if I'm trusting in Him, if I'm delighting in Him, if I'm committing to Him, again, repeating, trusting in Him says He will give you the desires of His heart. I think it means two things. I think it's saying that, number one, He will put His desires, the desires that He has for us, He will put them into our heart. He will give us the desires of our heart. And not only that, then He will give us the desires of our heart. Does that make sense? He will place, if I'm walking with Him, the desires that I have, the longings that I have are much more likely from Him, and He puts them in there. And He puts them there because He's wanting me to live them out. And so my desires will come into fruition. So that just that need for that ongoing intimate relationship with God. That's why Psalm 145, 19 says, He grants the desires of those who fear Him. Again, fear is that, uh, for the Hebrew people, was that sense of, of high reverence and respect for God and a sense that He's God and I'm not that putting Him in the right place. So He grants the desires to those who put Him in the right place in their life. This, uh, by the way, as I live in communion with God, those desires that will rise up inside of you um, are one of the four key components for you to determine what is God doing with your life, what's His calling, what's His vocation for you, Um, that when you're walking with God, these four things will all show you the thing God's created you to do, the strengths and abilities that He gave you, the holy discontent, and that's a, a totally different topic, so don't worry about that. Your personality and temperament, but the desires and passions that God put into your heart. When you put those four things together at the center of that is finding out, what did God create me to do? What's His desire for my life? That is for another day. But desires are really an important part of how God leads you into the thing He's created you to do. So, desires are really important. So, based upon my God-given desires then, I begin to make plans to step into the future that God has for me. And we do that through planning right so my plans so we've got my desires desires are good but we can't trust them only if we're walking with God can we trust our desires because then He promises if we're loving and committed him he'll put his desires in our heart and then he'll grant them because he's designed us to, to live into them and then my plans are all about living into those desires and the book of Proverbs says a lot about planning a lot about planning Um, First is just simply the necessity of planning, and then just briefly I want to hit that the Bible says my plan should be considered, thought through, have advisors, be strategic, and be humble. So, let me hit the first one of those, that plans are necessary because um, a lot of the students I was with, they're like, they thought there was no planning necessary. You, they thought people who follow God thought, hey, I graduate and God's just going to bring a job to me. Somebody will show up, knock on the door and offer me a job. I have to do no planning, no initiative. That's not what the Bible says. Proverbs 21.5 says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. God expects us, expects us, expects us to do planning. But The message, careful planning, puts you ahead in the long run. So there is the necessity of planning. God expects that my desires, that I'll do planning to put them into action. Jesus talks about this. When He talked about before um, somebody builds something, you first sit down and weigh the cost to see if you have enough. So the Bible talks a lot about the necessity of planning. Here's what Proverbs says about my planning, how I should do it. Again, Proverbs 21.5, which said, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. It is not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be, what's that word again? What's that word? Hasty. And if I'm hasty, I miss the way. So the Bible talks about that my planning needs to be considered to not just be running impulsively into things. But as I have the desires He's given me, as I start to make plans for it, to not rush headlong into it, there are times for decisiveness, but I think for the most part... Your desires can get the best of you and push you along too fast. And so, just the need to slow down and just to be deliberate with our planning. Uh, Remember, slow and steady wins the race. Slow and steady wins the race. Next, not only do I need to be considered, but I need need advisors. Just, I'm going to read through these and… I'm going to point out a couple of words. Make plans by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. That's Proverbs 20, 18. Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Proverbs eleven fourteen. For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but many advisors make victory sure. And Proverbs 24, 6. For waging war, you need guidance. For victory, many advisors. There's two words in here that really jump out at me. The first one is the word uh, guidance. It occurs twice in these four Proverbs. In Hebrew, it's really interesting. This is the word uh, in Hebrew for ropes and tackle that are used in ships for setting sails and all of that to direct and steer a ship towards a destination. Isn't that cool? So, it's that idea that um, we all need guidance. We all need ropes and tackle in our life to help us set the sails to get to where we feel like our God-given desires are taking us. So the question is, what are the ropes and tackle of my life? What are the things God wants to use to help me set my sail to steer me where He wants to go? And it's a word that occurs in here multiple times. Um, advice. Check this out. Many advisors. Many advisors. Many advisors. So we need advisors, but not just one or two. But it emphasizes several times that we need many. Um, and I think there's a reason for the many, because I think we all know if you just consult one or two people, you're really likely to choose people who have your point of view, who are kind of just going to give you yes to where you want to go. So the more advisors you bring into it, the more likelihood you're, in, you're creating that somebody will have some thoughts, some pushback. So that's why I think the Bible says many advisors. And I also think many advisors help in thinking outside the box. Um, because we all know it's just so easy to be stuck in your own way of thinking, and I think the more, I have this happen all the time. It happened yesterday. The, the deacons of the church, the staff got together to talk about some important long-term stuff, and there was a lot of good that came out of that, wasn't there? Just, that some, just different people throwing in different things. So we just need that outside-the-box thinking. General Eisenhower, who was from the state of Kansas, said, I mean, he would not make any tactical decisions until one of his advisors opposed it. Isn't that interesting? If if nobody opposed it, he wouldn't make a decision. He'd wait till somebody came against it for some way. And Woodrow Wilson used to say this, I not only use all the brains I have, but I use all the brains I can borrow. Right? I think we all could borrow some brains. so. So our planning needs to be considered and deliberate. We need advisors. By the way, this is why at 12th Avenue, something we're talking about a lot around here these days, is this idea of we want to do everything at 12 through teams. We want every ministry led by a team. Um, We want to operate through teams and teams that really genuinely collaborate. Because none of us has all the answers. None of us sees the picture, the big picture. None of us can see all the future problems that might come up, right? So we want to to do what Proverbs says, and we want to live with many advisors on everything we do at 12. Okay, so we need to be deliberate, considered, not in a haste, have advisors, but we also need to be strategic. Proverbs 24, 27, finish your outdoor work and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. Uh, you know, we not only have a goal, and it seems like here the goal was building a house, right? Um, but we also, this is what this is talking about, is you need an overall strategy for achieving it. So, this proverb encourages us to have well-thought-out steps to our plans, steps that take us through a series of actions that systematically move us towards our goal. Um, that's all pretty simple. Just be strategic. Do things in a proper order. Again, this is where advisors come in so handy to help us see through the steps we need to take to, to plan, to reach the desire that God has put on our hearts because that's the thing He's wanting us to live into. And then fifth, um, our planning needs a lot of humility, a lot of humility. Humility in two places. The first is humility in regarding to my underst- regards to my understanding. Proverbs 14, 12 said, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. That's why Proverbs 3, 6, 6 says, don't lean on your own understanding. And this is why. Because, I mean, we are fallen creatures. We're broken creatures. Our, our understanding is not always correct. And God wants us to come to our planning with a humility, um, that my take on things might be wrong. And, by the way, this same humility applies to my desires. It, to me, it's the same thing. That understanding, even with my desires, I'm always kind of asking the question, making sure that they're, that they're healthy and all of that. Even though I feel like they're God-given, I'm just constantly kind of evaluating. Not constantly, but I'm evaluating. Secondly, not only humility in regards to my understanding, but humility in regards to my motives. Boy, this one, this proverb is... One of my favorites, and it always strikes me profoundly, all a man's ways are innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. What's the implication of that? Hey, to all of us, our ways seem innocent. Why does it then say, but motives are weighed by the Lord? What's, what's the point? I mean, the point is, sometimes my motives are messed up, and I don't know it, right? Right? And the next verse, it's talking about planning. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. So I constantly need to be checking not just my understanding, but my motives, those drives and desires that I have that can get us off course so easily. Um, So there just needs to be the constant checking of motives, reorienting, recalibrating our lives, our inner drives and motivations, you know, are really tricky things. And that's why the Word of God daily encounter is so important. Because it gives you a chance to constantly check your own motives against the Word of God to evaluate where you stand. And again, this is where wise counsel comes in, uh, for people to help me in my planning, to help me with my understanding, to even help me check my motives. Um, the Quaker, in the Quaker tradition, before making a decision, they gather a group. So if an individual is going to make a big decision, they'll gather their group of, of people they call their weighty friends. These are friends who walk with God, who know Him, who know His ways, who are committed to His wisdom. And then they have what's called a clearness community, and that group will sit with them and will ask them a lot of questions about why are they doing what they're doing, and what they're really asking are questions about motives. What are the drives? What are the things that are really pushing that? And I think that's, that's really wise, and I think, again, that's why I need advisors, and I need humility. Those things really go together. Humility is essential for one more reason. And I think it's the major reason. And it's this that there is a larger plan behind it all. So, yes, I have my desires. What I really want are my are God-given desires of what God created me to do. And then I do planning, I make my plans, I do the best of my ability to make plans to attain those desires, but all of it, all the time, I have in the back of my mind that the bigger reality, which is God's plans, that there's something larger behind it. And this, leaning into this, requires a lot of trust and a lot of humility. I love this verse from Jeremiah 10, 23. Lord, I know that people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their steps. Okay, I'm going to do planning, but the reality is my life's my own. It's not for me to run my life. Um, Again, there's nothing wrong with making plans. But I hold my plans loosely, and I commit them to God with Kind of two understandings in my mind, that number one, the success of my plans is not based exclusively, not even primarily, on my effort and my execution. That's what God's plan tells me. It's not primarily my effort and my execution that's going to make it work in the end. Only with His help will my plans succeed. And secondly, the exact way the things plan out are not ultimately in my control. I may make plans, but the way they play out in reality is not under my control that ultimately it is His will that's at work in my life. And that means my plans a lot of times won't go as I think, right? Won't go as I think. So there's the necessity of God's help and the necessity of having an open, open hands and a trusting heart. So let me, let me jump into this. Um, so I'm doing all my planning, all my work, knowing that God has a plan that's much wiser than what I do. And though I'm trying to live into His plan for my life, that there's, I'm always going to miss step in some ways. So Proverbs so we just did that. Proverbs sixteen nine. In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And the word determine is really probably not the best English. That word is used a few verses later in Proverbs sixteen twelve, where it says, Kings detest wrongdoing, for a throne is established through righteousness. That Hebrew word really means to establish something. I looked it up in the dictionary. Establishes to make firm or stable, to introduce and cause to grow and multiply, to put on a firm basis, to put in a favorable position, to gain full recognition or acceptance. So this proverb, what it's saying is, in his heart, a man's plans are a man plans his course, but the Lord is the one who what? Who establishes his steps? God is the one, ultimately, who establishes my steps. Proverbs. in the Amplified, a man's mind plans his way as he journeys through life, but the Lord directs his steps and establishes them. Proverbs 16.9 in the message, we plan the way we want to live, but only God makes us able to live it. So, the reality is, is He's the only one that can take those plans and really make them essentially work. And that's why Psalm 37.23 says, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in Him. So, we're back to delighting in God. If I delight in Him, He gives me desires. I start doing my planning well, but it's, it's all under His control and His plan. But if I'm delighting in Him, He gives me those desires and He'll make firm my plans to attain those desires. Isn't that a good thing to know? That's very freeing to know it doesn't all depend on me and my effort. So not only the necessity of knowing, needing, I need in humility, His help, but also the necessity, I think, of... Um, having open hands and a trusting heart. Open hands and a trusting heart. Because the reality is, ultimately it's God's will that's going to play out in my life, not necessarily the things exactly to the details I plan them. Proverbs nineteen twenty one: many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purposes that prevail. The Lord works out everything for His own ends. Proverbs 16:1. to man belongs the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. That one is really interesting. Um, from the Lord comes a reply of the tongue. Literally in Hebrew, from Yahweh comes a responding tongue. And, I mean, Gene, we were just talking about this this morning. The CEV translates it well. We humans make plans, but the Lord has the final word. That's what it's saying. Or the, the good news translation, we may make our plans, but God has the last word. So many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. The Lord works out everything for His own ends. We may make our plans, but God has the last word. These verses are kind of a siren call for me to recognize God's sovereignty over my life. We must humbly remember the reality that it's ultimately His will that's at play in my life, not necessarily my plans exactly as I planned them. Okay, here's what this means in reality. Here, so, let me just do a quick review. So, I have my desires. If I really want to know the desires God gives me, I need to delight in Him. I need to love Him, be walking with Him. If I do that, He'll put desires in my heart. And He promises, if He puts them in my heart, that He'll give me those desires because He's designed and created me for that longing, whatever that endgame is. I plan to it. I do the best of my ability to get to that endgame with advisors, you know, deliberately, uh, strategically, but with great humility, always checking my understanding with Him, with advisors, because my understanding gets messed up, my motives gets messed up, so always humility, but then this huge humility that behind it all, that God has a big plan that He's doing in my life, and that His plan will prevail. He gave me those desires because I'm part of that plan, but ultimately it will prevail. And, but here's what this all means, this whole thing of his, his ultimate plan, is there will be unexpected twists and turns in my plans. Things will not go as I think, um, so I will have to always have open hands and a trusting heart. In other words, I need to be flexible. In the military, they know this. They talk about this. I love these. Planning is everything. Plans are Nothing. Or how about this one, plans are important, it gives you something to deviate from. My favorite military saying about plans is this, the first casualty of war is your plan. Okay, it's that idea that I have to learn to be flexible because my plan may not go down exactly as I imagine in my mind. So, Proverbs 20, 24 says, a man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anybody understand his way? So, I can't totally understand where God's taking me. You know, He's determined our path. How can anyone understand the direction His own life is taking? The Lord directs our steps, so why do we try to understand everything along the way? We can't understand everything along the way. What we do is we walk into the future, we do our plans, and God, in His sovereignty, things are not going to work as we think, and we have to have the ability, the submission, the humility to be able to just be flexible with what happens and to go with that without worry and just know God knows better, and so I'm going to go with this new direction with the plan. Paul knew this really well. On his second missionary journey, Paul, um, they had the council down in Antioch, and I'm looking for Antioch. I think I moved it down on my page. And then when he did his journey, he came into um, a couple cities he had visited his first journey. And his first journey, Paul had gone, what's the best color? Maybe yellow. That's hard to see. Paul had gone up this way. But on his second missionary journey, he decided he wanted to take the gospel into Phrygia and Galatia, so he came up here. His end goal was actually, because Paul was very strategic, always hitting strategic cities. We don't know for sure, but um, this city up here, we know it as Nicaea, was a key city. Um, Byzantium or Istanbul, they were closely here. They were the gateway into this area to take the gospel into there. And Paul desired to go to Bithynia. And so as he, as he was in this area, and as he started pushing north, we're told that the Spirit stopped him. And so it said he started going into the border of of Mysia, and his desire was then to go into Bithynia again, and once again the Spirit stopped him. Twice the Spirit said, okay, you've got a great plan, you're taking the gospel, it's exactly what I want, but twice stopped him on his plan. And ended up, he went to Troas, and then that's where Paul had his dream, and in the dream God called him over into Greece, totally changed the direction of where the gospel was going. So Paul was a man on the move. He had desires put in his heart by God to take the gospel to all the nations. And he's on move and he's doing it strategically, but Paul was willing to let God redirect him as God knew better what needed to happen. So Paul, to me, is is an example of that. So don't fret when our plans don't go as planned. Because many times while we're running our set plays, God's going to step in and call an audible. I mean, I've had that happen so many times in my life. We all have, right? Things, we got things going. We think it's how it should be, and it doesn't quite happen as we think. So Michael McGriff says, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. So we just need to trust, have open hands with our plans, trust God's heart, and then we're, we're willing to go with the things when, the, when our plans don't go as we think. Jean-Pierre de Cassade said, since God offers to manage our affairs for us, let us once and for all hand them over to His infinite wisdom in order to occupy ourselves only with himself and what belongs to him. And I like Luke Timothy Johnson, who says, the basic decision, after all, is to let God be God, to say yes to the work of the Lord, which goes before our ability to understand and even to perceive it. And that's why Proverbs 27.1 says, do not boast about tomorrow, because you don't know what's going to bring. So we make our plans, but we hold them loosely. James talks about it too. So here's what I want to wrap up with. Because God created you for desire. Our desires can go awry, but if you will center your life in Him, He will give you the desires of your heart, and He gives them so they can be lived out and realized. That's how you know part of what He's created you to do is by your desire, so you live into it, and you plan. That's planning. God expects us to plan, you know, to be deliberate, to be strategic, all of that I've talked about, and to do it with humility. And the humility is, is, number one, I need His help, because only He will establish it. It's his job to establish that work, okay? I do what I do, but he establishes it. And I need the humility to know that he, he sees things much bigger than I do and better, and I give, I, I give him the ability to step into my plans and kind of wreck them and redirect them because he knows better. Does that make sense? And I can do this because Romans 8.28 says that we know that God causes all things to work out for good to those who love him and who are called according to his purposes, And in Romans, Paul says that God's will is good, and it's pleasing, and it's perfect. And if I really believe this, then I can rest when He redirects my plans in ways I didn't expect, because I trust and know He did better. And this is so helpful for me. Psalm 138.8, the Lord will work out His plans for my life. I am so confident of that. It doesn't go as I plan always, but He will work out His plans for my life, because He has faithful love. His faithful love endures forever. And so I'm able to do with this, I think we can do what the song said, which is we don't need to be slaves to fear. We we walk with God, we take the desires He gives us, we live into those making plans, but we hold all of those plans loosely and humbly, and we're not a slave to fear that when things go wrong, that we've got to chase it down, that we've got to be in control, that we've got to make it all work the way we want, but we are able to be flexible and go with where God's going. So, in the life of faith, is there anything wrong with having desires, dreams, and ambitions? Is there anything wrong with having desires? No. Anything wrong with having a dream? No. As long as they flow from Him in the context of a loving, trusted, submitted relationship. And in the life of faith, do we need plans? Yes, we do. We need plans. You bet. They are how we put meat on the bones of the desires that God gives us. But we put the plans in motion with great humility knowing, one, that in the end, it all depends on Him to establish it, that it's not my effort that makes it work, it's Him. And then, secondly, with open hands and a trusting heart, convinced that ultimately His good plan will prevail. God is central to all of this. And that's why the Psalm 37, that if you trust in the Lord and do good, if you dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture, if you take delight in Him, He'll give you the desires of your heart. If you commit your ways to the Lord, if you trust in Him, He will do this. And this all fits with Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, which will be a sermon all by itself at some point. That if you trust in the Lord with all of your heart, in everything, if you trust in Him with all of your heart, and if you don't lean in your own understanding, in all of your ways, just like it says up here, if I'm committing my ways to Him, in all of my ways, in all of my ways, if I'm acknowledging Him, and that word acknowledge just doesn't mean, hey, God, ah, there you are. It's, that word Hebrew means to have an intimate relationship, intimate experience. So if all of my ways I'm intimately relating to Him in everything I do and in my planning, He promises that He will make my path straight. In the end, He will make my path straight. So that's what the Bible says about our plans. Can you stand with me? I'd like us to end with a prayer because I think the hardest part of this whole thing for all of us, is when we make plans, what we think stepping into something God wants us to do, and we make plans and then they break down and they aren't working. Isn't that the thing? Isn't that where we most struggle? And then we start getting upset at God or wondering what's going on. So would you end by praying a prayer with me? It's a prayer written by Thomas Akempis that I think is appropriate. So would you join me? Oh, Lord, you know what is best for me. Let this or that be done as you please. Give what you will, how much you will, when you will. Isn't that a great prayer? Father, I pray for all of us that are here. There are people here today who have desires that have gone unfulfilled, and we all know the pain of that. And if if somebody's wrestling with that, and it is a desire from you and they're struggling with why is this taking so long what is the delay that they would rest in you knowing that in your sovereign timing you know the best time to bring that to fruition so I pray for those I pray for all of us who are living life because we have to make plans I pray that we would do it wisely as Proverbs talks about that we would do it we would uh, not be hasty we'd bring advisors into it that we'd be strategic, and Lord, most of all, that we would be humble, not trusting our motives, not trusting our own heart, not leaning on our own understanding, constantly checking with You in humility, and in humility knowing that You have a plan that's larger than I know and larger than I understand, that You're the one who will establish my plans that are directed by You, and Lord, that You're the one who is free when my plans get a little off rail and aren't going where you want them to go, that you're the one that's free to come in and to interrupt my plans and to redirect me. Help us to humbly submit to that, to have open hands with our plans, to have hearts that trust you. Thank you for Proverbs, for the practicality of this book. Lord, help us all to know the desires you put on our heart, that we will live into the things you've created us to do. May we be a people who are living on mission with you, who are living into the calling you created us for. May we be the best planners that are out there, but the most humble planners there are. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So let's go, let's do our plans, follow God's heart and desire, and let's be his church this week among the people we're with.